Welcome to Sleepless in St. Canard, where nostalgia replaces REM cycles. I'm Kitty. And I'm Ange. And we haven't slept... In 30 years. This is a podcast about the 90s classic cartoon Darkwing Duck, and there is just something about this show. Even decades after its original airing, it still has people talking about it, connecting with its characters, its humor, and its heart. And in my personal experience, the show has a magnetic pull that draws in some of the finest, funniest, most talented, and hands down the loveliest people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. One of which is obviously my co-host, Ange, but oh. today we also have a guest, Yay. darling of our hearts, Libri. Say hello to the people, Libri. Aw, hi. Thank you for that very, very kind intro. I was not expecting that. How dare you? Ha ha! I gotcha. <laughs> So yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Libri, about how you got into the show, your favorite character, and some other follow-up questions we'll get to after your initial rundown. Tell us how you found Darkwing Duck. Sure. Um, I think I've told this story to at least one of you before, but the story goes that one day I was doing homework as a child and flicking through Disney Channel because obviously you have to watch TV while doing your homework. That is the only way to do it. And I flicked past... Uh, just a clip of some dog made of water being turned into a pudding (laughs) like a powdered pudding mix was being poured on him and he was very upset and for some reason I couldn't find the channel again after that and I never found that show again I had no idea what it was called I had no clues and I sort of forgot about it and then many years later I think I joined MySpace for I don't know and I saw a bunch of you guys playing very cool looking ducks and I went oh so this is what is this dark wing duck let me go to YouTube and find out more about it and I started watching it from the beginning until I reached the specific episode just as justice ducks where a dog made of water is having pudding mix poured on him and being very <laughs> upset about it and I just sort of stayed I actually had to pause it and I went wait wait this is the show <laughs> and it was fantastic it was Love at first sight, but we missed each other like ships in the night and found each other again years later. It was wonderful. I also like that. Yes, I like that your explanation for joining joining MySpace was I I don't know I don't I don't (laughs) which I think is really is really the only appropriate way to remember joining MySpace. I don't know why I did that, but I did. Let's move on. (laughs) I genuinely don't remember why. Is really Justice Justice Dex the only one who gets turned into pudding? Yeah. Yes, I. I remember because I watched it again. I watched half of it again this morning to just refresh my memory. And pudding is sort of the running joke of the episode because Morgana accidentally turns Darkwing into... Gosselin asks Morgana if she can turn people into pudding and she keeps suggesting it constantly throughout the episode. And then Quacker Jack takes a sample. Um, Yes. Okay. So that's pretty funny too because Angie's near miss with reconnecting with the show as a an older you know and was almost buying the vhs of just us justice ducks so you guys are just us justice ducks linked that's really hard to say <laughs> <laughs> well that's awesome so we have uh so now we have to ask some very hard-hitting questions uh who's your favorite character on the show I have given this some thought and I always come back to Megavolt because oh. I don't know, just his delivery, his voice actor's delivery, Dan Castaneda is just great. Whatever he says is hilarious all the time. 
he's just really having a lot of fun <laughs> and he's a very creative <laughs> character i think the writers thought so as well because isn't megavolt one of the most regularly occurring villains if i'm not wrong of the fearsome four anyway i feel like i remember megavolt showing up a lot he has the most episodes of any villain i think he appears in 18 there episodes there we go oh, yeah no. because usually his powers lead to so many interesting shenanigans and i think in general he was just fun and easier to write for than the others so they just kept putting him in i love megavolt he's my favorite he's fantastic we have our own classification system here so i'm going to ask you to conform to our reality and oh, give no. us uh, some examples here of what is your god tier episode of the show so i actually this is very blasphemous but i haven't seen the full show in a very very long time so i don't remember all of the episodes but one of my absolute favorite episodes i i love justice justice ducks let's be clear that is actually my favorite episode but the one i wanted to spotlight is an episode called jailbird i think mm. it's it's one where darkwing tries to deliberately get himself arrested <laughs> so that he can interrogate the fearsome four and they immediately recognize him that was when he your picks wasn't it and for for team ups yeah, that was, I think, Epic Team-Ups, uh, whatever we called that category. I think it's Amazing Team-Ups or something, because that's the one where he teams up with the whole fearsome Yes. Four. Also, Libri, can I just, like, you know, just for one second? Yeah. She hasn't watched all of Darkwing Duck. Why did you let her on the show? I she hasn't watched, watched all of it. I just haven't watched it in a while. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, get <laughs> out of here. What are you doing? <laughs> I am not leaving. <laughs> okay, no. Jailbird is a really good one. 60% of Darkwing Duck is fine that you totally forget it. But the reason it sticks in my memory is because it has my favorite Negaduck moment of the entire series, which is. <laughs> he tries to break into the prison as well and he shoots a grappling hook or something up into a, a cliff face to climb up and he says negata crushes all obstacles and then the rock smushes him and he goes oh. or vice versa <laughs> i love that too negata can overcome any security system no matter how formidable <laughs> negata crushes all obstacles <laughs> Or vice versa. He's great. I can't wait until we get to watch an episode with him. I feel like that episode is also a good example of how even he has a sense of humor because a lot of people focus more on him being really serious and homicidal, but he gets those moments where he does something really stupid, like shooting a grappling hook into a boulder that proceeds to crush him, and then he. Absolutely. Like, that's such the wonderful thing about Negaduck, right? Is that he's supposed to be this very dark character that everyone in the universe is kind of afraid of. But he is not immune to stupidity <laughs> at all. And he's not immune to the same slapstick that Darkwing gets subjected to constantly, like anvils to the head and trucks to the face. And it's great. He's very much involved in the, the cartoon logic of Darkwing Duck. It's not like yeah. he's you know, a Batman villain that's just scheming all the time. He is like, you know what I could do? I could dress up like a baby to get into this situation. <laughs> <laughs> or wear a, a fake reporter's costume over my regular costume and be like, hey, I'm going to ask a terrible question. Okay, 
So then we have, I have one last follow-up question for you, Libri. What episode do you think that you personally could just throw right in the dumpster? So this was actually the hard one because, again, like, it's usually one of the episodes that you find kind of forgettable and you don't rewatch, so you don't remember very much of it. But there was one episode called UFO, I think, like where mm. they just get kidnapped by aliens. And in premise, it's a nice idea because I always like when they spotlight that Launchpad being a nice person actually sort of saves the day like like it leads to a lot of benefit or whatever but i don't know personally something about that episode just really makes me uncomfortable from the design of the aliens to the the sound design to the whole like darkwing's brain being put in a jar i was about to say is just being shunted around and nobody notices I don't know. Just... <laughs> He's just like a it horrific brain bad. creature with like two eyeballs like a snail. Exactly, yes. And it was so upsetting because I was like, guys, you are literally Darkwing's family. And he's not, it's not like him being quiet is a normal thing. <laughs> you should immediately have picked up something was wrong. Yes, he's not talking about himself every five seconds. Are you dying? What's happening? It just felt like there was so much happening, but then Launchpad and Goslin just seemed to not care. Like they were in, they were doing a completely separate story, and Darkwing was doing a separate story, and it just didn't work. So there it is, right in the dumpster, alongside such classics as "Slime Okay, You're Okay," and "Getting Nancy." A dumpster, we're gonna need a bigger one. Oh, so I think you touched on it a little bit, but you came to us with a very intellectual take on the show as a whole, which you'll be sharing with us today, which is like the, the themes of the story and, and how. Well, why don't you talk about it? It's your, it's your, your, uh, your scholarly essay. Oh, we will be, we will be grading you on. And, oh, no. Uh, we will be making macaroni portraits of what your score is so i have my glitter at the ready and you right. have five <laughs> boxes of macaroni i have googly eyes yeah, well yeah the merced absolutely wonderful i already feel like i've been over talking in this podcast but okay sure no so, that's how that's how it's supposed to go my friend you're supposed you're to supposed talk. to talk on a podcast my goodness i mean we did try uh interpretive dance but it didn't quite tra- translate the first time <laughs> Okay, so yeah, the thing I wanted to talk about was, Angie touched on that a little bit, and you did as well, the the fact that despite Negadek being a serious dark character, he's still not immune to the slapstick cartoon logic of the universe. And I think the reason Darkwing Duck is such a niche property, because I've never met anyone who in real life who enjoys it or has heard of it. But the people who have seem to really, really, really like it. And I feel like the reason is because it's so niche, it occupies one very specific place and does it really well, which is this overlap between like the whole 90s Disney family values, slice of life vibe, along with taking all the action and creativity from superhero properties, but also what you guys mentioned, which was very Warner brothers slapstick that Disney usually doesn't do unless it's with Goofy or something like that. And it takes Mm. all of those and makes very much its own identity. It leaves all of the grittiness of the superhero comics behind. It leaves the slightly slow pacing and occasionally very like 
this overly squidgy feel that some of the softer Disney properties had. And it just took what was best about all of these things and made it into its very, very unique and different thing. I don't think I've actually seen a cartoon series quite like Darkwing Duck before, where it balances sometimes in like if you look at the fearsome four especially their backstories for how they became villains are actually incredibly dark if you think too hard about it yeah Which well is, i mean you you had said that you know it leaves a lot of the gritty grittiness of you know the silver age comics behind but i don't think it really leaves it behind it just kind of puts a clown nose on it yeah that's kind of what i mean i, I mean they don't harp on it they don't make it the entire point like again like you said like the batman properties make it very much front and center that is their selling point to the point where someone like me might actually get emotionally fatigued by how dark and upset everything is all the time here they have all of that potentially in the background which is why i think it works so well for when you're an older fan because you can stick to the more cartooniness or you can definitely dive in deep to the much darker and much grimmer implications that are constantly simmering under the surface which is great yeah because i mean essentially liquidator's origin story is the joker yeah getting pushed <laughs> into a vat of acid but it's it, it's i'm not too familiar with like what the canon batman is i'm i'm mostly familiar with the movies but you know like darkwing pretty much literally creates the liquidator and it's just kind of like oh <laughs> whoops <laughs> oh yeah and just goes on with his life it's like Excuse me? Oh, all the better. Cases are so much easier when the bad guy offs himself like that. That's <laughs> right. He makes a quip about it. Oh, good lord. Oh, God, I remember <laughs> that. I'd repress that memory. <laughs> but yeah, you see what I mean, right? Like, the implications don't yeah, really yeah. hit you until you're older and you go, oh my god, this show is actually kind of messed up. Yeah. The episode that Ange and I had just recorded that was about Tad Stones' tweets, which you haven't heard yet, so but our listeners mostly probably will have. We talk a bit about Tad Stones going on about body counts, because I think Bushroot has the most on, on screen Bushroot murders. Bushroot kills two people as soon as he turns into Bushroot. <laughs> he does. So that's just a testament to that. And uh, I mean, I vowed when we do make air, when we watch the next episode and from there on out to keep track of all the people that Darkwing kills uh, <laughs> inadvertently or on purpose. So I don't think we've, in the two episodes that we've watched, I don't think we've seen any on screen murders. Uh, I guess to see just the death count of, of any character and who they're attributed to, and then we can update the Sleepless and Sink Canard site with, and these are how many people get murdered. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think I but I still feel like what Darkwing Duck does is it takes a few things that really annoy me about superhero property. Like there's some really annoying superhero tropes and it doesn't do them, which makes me very happy. Like the like for one thing, like I mentioned, like not everyone's like gritty and depressing and crying on rooftops in the storm and the rain all the time. But also one thing that I really like is that I if I'm not wrong, I think Goslin and Launchpad both know that he is Darkwing Duck instead mm -hmm. of this whole stupid thing of like the people that I care about most in the world can never know that I'm a superhero. Otherwise, it would be too easy for me to warn them 
if they become targets, <laughs> it would be too easy for me to just like grab someone by the arm and say, hey, listen, a supervillain is coming after you, so you need to get into this bunker right now. Because <laughs> they both meet him as Darkwing and then yeah. he assumes his civilian identity. But I, I really like that, right? Because then you make the story of Darkwing trying to be the hero and fighting with his ego constantly part of his journey of trying to become a better dad for Goslin. Because usually what you see is that the whole superhero side of the story is so divorced from the personal development side of the story because they're not allowed to meet. And I think it was really nice to actually make this part of the whole thing. And therefore, Goslin actually gets to come on the adventures and she's great. So full of marks on that decision. And it's interesting, too, because, um, you know, as, as much as they are aware of his secret identity and they have no, you know, with a few exceptions for Goslin, like they don't have their own secret identities that all of the villains are just constantly like, who are you? That is very funny, especially when you consider like Launchpad and Goslin, since again, they don't disguise themselves, they are still wandering around in the mornings. Are we saying that none of these villains ever noticed that the little redhead girl who follows Darkwing Duck around all the time is the same kid that leaves like St. Canard Secondary School or whatever every yeah, afternoon? Andrew pointed out in the, the Slime Okay, You're Okay episode that Butcher is just like, what does he say? He says something like, thanks for rescuing me, or thanks for helping me, whoever you are. Whoever you are. Whoever you are, to the little red-headed girl that has literally been around for every episode that he's been in. <sighs> it's good stuff. It's good. But yeah, so that was basically what I wanted to talk about. I think the writing and the thematic elements are really cleverly put together. And yeah, they work in some, they work better in some episodes than others hashtag dumpster fire episodes but it's it's really nice and there's so much potential especially for as the fan base gets older i still see people writing like i don't know if they're still writing it but i definitely see a lot of fan art a lot of fan fiction and a lot a lot of it tends to skew more obviously in the more serious direction because you want to explore those themes you sort of grow with the show which is very cool it's not something where like you look back on it and go there's nothing that i can connect to with this anymore like for uh, for example i think i've seen a lot of ocs on tumblr for the fearsome force specifically where people talk about like we actually get to see megavolt in the show right he's he was in the same high school as drake mallard was the reason he got his powers was because, right? If I'm not, wrong. I mean, yes, but it's one of those Tad Stones does what he wants because he's Tad Stones episodes where it's like, ah, what's okay. continuity? <laughs> what's so continuity? that is that is one of the things is Elmo's butter spark, possibly. Uh-huh. But I think that was that actually does remind you that before these guys became supervillains, they were just sort of guys. Like, Bushwood was just a guy. Megavolt was presumably just a guy. I don't know about Quacker Jack. I assume he was just born with a Yeah, Quacker Jack was, yeah, I mean, like, he was the CEO of Quacker Jack Toys, but then, like, went crazy. So he had to have at least had some business sense. I've seen a bunch of OCs, which I think are supposed to be, like, relatives or friends or loved ones of the Fearsome Four before they became 
the villains that they did. And like, I think that's really fun. Like you have that opportunity to explore these more angsty moments, or you can write a one shot about Quackerjack and Megavolt just destroying the town and making puns and having a good time because that is just as valid in the canon. It's kind of a sandbox because there is like the basic information about the characters, but there's so much left open that you can just kind of insert whatever exactly. you like and, into and there. And the tone is so open as well, right? That's why you can drag it a bit further down the line in any direction you want. You can make it more cartoony, you can make it more heartfelt, you can make it more serious. You can do whatever you want and it still feels valid. It still fits the vibe where I think there's a lot of properties where you can't really do that. There's a very, very specific vibe and deviating from that will always feel a little bit weird. I don't feel that with Darkwing Duck. Well, I'm going to send you a link to my grim, dark Isis Vander Chill as the last woman left alive on Earth in the Arctic Tundra uh, AU. And you can let me know how that. Sure. Fantastic. <laughs> Listen, this is a show where <laughs> this is a show where Bud Flood was thrown into a vat of chemicals and just liquefies. And it is just like an ordinary episode. I think you're good. Okay. All right. Well, good. I'm going to go to Disney with Isn't him. Isn't there an episode where Darkwing dies? Oh, there. yes, absolutely. Yeah. He doesn't wear his motorcycle helmet. I think you guys might have mentioned this, but that is definitely a thing. He sees his own funeral. He sees his tiny adopted daughter wearing this adorable black dress and black shoes, being very, very upset. And this was apparently okay to air. So I don't think there's anything dark. A fanfic writer can write that goes too far beyond what this show tried to do. Uh, well, I'm also going to write uh, an AU where there are toilets in every bathroom. Oh, no. <laughs> you would. Now you've gone too far. I know, because they're coming for me. You want <laughs> Michael Mouse is beating down my door right now. Remember me fondly. But I was curious what your thoughts on the DuckTales reboot and what they did with the Darkwing Duck characters, if you felt that had the same magical elements and combination that you like. I was supremely excited to hear that Darkwing Duck was coming back into the DuckTales reboot, and I did enjoy the episodes, but they very much felt like, um, I don't know how to explain it, but it felt more like a revival tour special or something where it threw in a lot of stuff that fans were going to say, oh, I recognize that, that's amazing. But it felt more like a grab bag of references sometimes rather than trying to make a cohesive story. I don't know. I I understand that they only had a couple of episodes and they actually did have to focus more on the DuckTales thing. And I really liked the, the Jim Starling episode. I did really enjoy that. But I felt like their attempt to introduce all the other Darkwing Duck characters was kind of too much happening at once. Although I will say I did. I at first was very weirded out by Bushroot's redesign. And then I think I realized that this is supposed to be a reference to the husk bushroot from Twin Beaks. Yes. Because everyone, I vividly remember being so disturbed by that. And I'm sure it's such a vivid, disturbing memory in everyone's minds <laughs> that the reboot people were like, we have to put that in. That should be the first thing you see. I love the idea of Negaduck being this washed up actor. I really enjoy the new Darkwing. I liked Goslin. I'm a bit weirded out by the decision of Sending Goslin's grandfather away into 
different universe rather than him just passing away like he did in the original show because that sort of seems to remove a lot of the emotional impact of Goslin actually truly being alone like she was in the beginning of the show and i do find it if i'm not wrong does he actually adopt her in the reboot i don't know if he officially does and that also feels a bit weird to me it just feels like they were focusing more on hey here the cool like action scenes and here are our cool creative characters and they missed a few of those strong emotional touch points that the original series had that i was really hoping to see i don't know i would agree and i think that probably like you said it was probably because at the end of it it is about ducktales so they probably were required i don't really know how disney higher ups work with what they tell the storytellers but i imagine that they probably were told that they had to include, you know, Scrooge and the triplets probably yeah. in every single episode. So at the end of the day, it is a DuckTales show and not a Darkwing Duck show. So I think very much that's why, like what you said about it feeling more like a tour, because they're not really allowed, not so much not they're not allowed, but I think they were limited, which is why it was a shame or we don't know yet, but... It's I, I suspect if they had done a Darkwing Duck reboot, like if the same DuckTales folks had been in charge of a Darkwing Duck reboot, hypothetically, I think we would probably see a lot of what you were hoping to see. That does make sense. But then I feel like, of course, I don't want to tell the showrunners how to do their job or anything, but it feels like maybe they should have been a little less ambitious. Mm. With the Darkwing episode, because there was the one where they have Taurus Bulba and like the Ramrod and Goslin and then all the villains and then Fowl and then there was so much happening. And if the if you have to put the dark the Ducktail stuff in the show, which you do have to, maybe it would have been better to narrow down the scope of what you're introducing. Because the reason the Jim Starling episode really worked, it had to share equal screen time with the Ducktail stuff. So the the story was small and self-contained enough that it could work. But here it's like it was trying to fight for attention with the quote-unquote main characters of the series, which isn't really going to happen. And instead you end up with the equivalent of jingling the keys in the baby's face. Where it's like <laughs> really hectic and really shiny and it's really nice. But then you sort of sit back at the end and say, wait, what? Do you know how the... Is it called Let's Get Dangerous? Is that the DuckTales yes. 2017 episode? Do you know how that was supposed to end? Did no. You see how... that story? And no. Wait, wait. Is this the Negaduck thing? Yes. 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 So, <laughs> it, so a lot of the observations you've made are really interesting because I think a lot of the reasons that Let's Get Dangerous has a lot going on is because it had a lot of rewrites to it. And you see that in the storyboards from one of the storyboard artists put up the original storyboards on her portfolio. And in the original, Taurus Balba was really not a big part of it. He shows up at the beginning, but I think at the halfway point of the episode, he gets arrested and they take him away. And he has an assistant named Kafka, who is obviously like a play on Clovis from the original, and she's been helping him out throughout the episode. Yeah. And she starts up the ramrod. And it's the triplets and Scrooge that are like, what are you doing? And they confront her. And then she turns around and like unzips herself. And it's Megaduck on stilts. 
and he reveals himself as the actual main antagonist of the episode and then he's the one that brings the fearsome four into the universe it wasn't taurus bulba that was supposed to do that so but that's even more stuff like that's like you're like mm. what you're saying is there it was already fighting and competing for like all this attention they were going to have negaduck in there too and then that's ultimately why they took him out because they're like that's too much like we can't put all this stuff in and when i spoke to frank angonis about it he also told me that when negaduck shows up all the stuff with goslin and the way in which she interacts with launchpad and darkwing it almost doesn't happen. Like it's it's completely eclipsed by Negaduck because you know Negaduck. He if he's going to show up, yeah, he's going to steal the spotlight. He's he's just that's just how he is in nature. So I also love that the the assistant's name was Kafka because I'm choosing to believe that this is a reference because Franz Kafka wrote Metamorphosis, where the main mm-hmm. character turns into a slimy, disgusting creature, and this assistant unzips herself to reveal a slimy, disgusting creature. <laughs> yes. Yes, that was my thought too. I also like the uh, mental image in my head of Negaduck in his natural habitat, where it's just him in the middle of a room with just spotlights on him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that does sound like it would have been a lot more chaotic and busy. But then it was, it's as you say, right? There was just so much like, obviously, we can't have Negaduck because that would have taken away from Goslin's emotional arc. But then the fearsome four are such an inherent part of. It's like Negaduck's thing, right? That's what they established in the beginning. Like, he's obsessed with his show. Those were characters on the show. It would make perfect sense for Negaduck to bring them through. So then why bring them through at all? Like, it it felt like they were trying to put Darkly Dawn's The Duck, Life, The Negaverse, and everything, and a couple of other very large-scale episodes from the original show and squeeze it into a single episode's runtime. I think it would have been beneficial if they were able to, if they had been given the opportunity to stretch that out across several different episodes as like a longer overarching arc. And I suspect, and in an ideal world, I think it would have been cool if either they got a season four and that could have just been one of like the overarching stories of season four stretched out or that would have been very cool. Yeah. Or if they were, if they announced like a reboot or a spinoff, after that and then like all that stuff just occurs over the time in like a completely different show yeah definitely that would have been really good because then you would have had the time to actually establish stuff and explore character moments more deeply i think that would have been very cool because then like you get to see the fearsome four and i was very excited because like in the canon of the duck of the ducktales reboot they were just supposed to be actors but now you've summoned four actual supervillains from an alternate universe and that immediately makes the audience go like what the hell kind of universe is this where they've come from like is there a darkwing there is there a goslin and a launchpad there what is that going on but then they get brought and then they get sent almost immediately (laughs) and it feels like such a waste of a moment yeah it was just there to to happen and and didn't really have any weight to be over the overarching plot of it yeah i feel like the uh, like andrew was saying like i feel like i think we were at that point not aware that the show was going to be ending so that felt like this was going to be the kickoff point for a darkwing duck spinoff show which i think is probably what the showrunners were hoping for which didn't pan out so i feel like it's more of a love letter to what could have been versus what we we, we got ultimately true 
And don't get me wrong, I really did enjoy the episode. As a Darkwing Duck fan, it felt like it was something that was made specifically for me. But it does feel like it's going to... If the idea was to drum up interest in Darkwing Duck again, it did feel like that episode was going to lose a bunch of people in an attempt to put in too much at once. There was a lot of Easter eggs in that episode, too, that I enjoyed. Like, there was... uh, I think it was Launchpad had villain cards that were of the, the the Darkwing Duck villains and they were actually the cards that would come with the VHSs like they had like a lime green border and like you know the art on and everything I was like oh really? I have some of those that's fantastic <laughs> yeah, yeah so there was lots of neat stuff like that so that's why it felt more just like I felt like that was Frank whispering into the mic, I love you, Darkwing Duck. (laughs) I will say the choice to make Launchpad a huge Darkwing Duck fan was a masterful decision. I love that decision. The fact that he carries VHS tapes and an old TV in his plane and forces people to watch Darkwing Duck was very uncomfortably real and I felt personally attacked. (laughs) How dare they call us out like this? It was actually really, really nice to have. Like The whole idea of Darkwing Duck was a show that inspired the current Darkwing Duck and inspired Launchpad to become his assistant is such a lovely idea and such a beautiful way to write a love letter to the fans as well as trying to take the story forward. I love it. It's really clever. So now I have to ask, with all that in mind, what would you consider to be the perfect setup for a Darkwing Duck reboot? Like, what would you love to see in a reboot in terms of storytelling elements? Seth Rogen, take notes. <laughs> oh, God, I don't know, actually. Um, I think I think it would be actually really nice if we not do what the original show did and keep putting those, you know, those one-shot villains that just arrived and were a little bit irritating and then left. I'm speaking specifically of things like Jambalaya Jig and Lilliput. Um, I think it would be actually really nice if we stuck with the Fearsome Five and a few others as the quote-unquote main villains and have more episodes that explore them and explore more of the world. I definitely think we can look more into Goslin for a Darkwing Duck reboot. That would be really nice because it's so difficult to find a child character that's genuinely engaging and fun and not annoying all the time. And Goslin was one of those characters. And it would be wonderful to see her taking a more active part in the show, if that makes sense. Because there were some episodes where I felt like the writers would just forget Goslin existed, which is a shame because she's such a lovely character. I don't know. I think I I love the idea of like, I definitely want to see Jim Starling as insane sewer-dwelling Negaduck meeting, like attempting to recreate the Fearsome Five. That's what I want to see. I want to see like a two-episode thing or even like a three-episode thing of Negaduck so deep in his show delusion that he tries to track down the original actors (laughs) and try to convince them to dress up as the Fearsome Four and be like his villain squad. (laughs) We're getting the band be, back together. Yeah, I think it would be like incredibly funny, but also very poignant because of the whole like, you know, like trying to recapture his lost glory and no one's really like buying into what he's selling. And maybe like he tries to get a younger group of people in on the whole scheme. Maybe he even actually meets the alternate universe actual supervillains 
through some universe shenanigans, which would be very cool. I just love the idea of the the fiction of the show bleeding into reality so heavily. I would love to see that more explored because then you can also explore uh, the current Drake Mallard's relationship with his heroes and with the show that inspired him and the characters that he recognizes. I think that would be very cool. Uh, and same question. What what would you think would be yeah, a perfect and then we'll come to uh, you. Duck reboot? Oh gosh. I mean, I would rename it to uh Negaduck and <laughs> it would be about his adventures in the Negaverse. I'm joking. I swear I'm not that much of a delusional fan. Oh my god. But you know, but that's so funny though, because I was thinking that too, because when when uh Levy was talking about uh, you know, him meeting up with the actors and everything. It's like, how did Negaduck find the normal verse or the show verse? Like, I want to know that episode. Like, he got to a certain point in the Negaverse and was just kind of like, what's this cake? Oh, yeah. We never learned how he crossed over. So, so anyway, continue. And Negaduck, the, the animated series. Realistically, you know, a lot of the stuff that we've done in the Duckverse RP and the way we've set up the universe with that mixture of humor and it has that gallows humor combined with that just fun hilarious ridiculous shenanigans that all the characters get into that's the kind of thing i would love to recapture in an actual series and have all these characters come in and more um neutral characters that aren't necessarily solid good guys and bad guys having those in-between characters that you know, help out in some way or form or like they own properties in the city that are seen repeatedly in episodes and that come up over and over again and have some kind of fun theme. Like I'm thinking about like Lily and like the bookstore and how it like it draws in supervillains and good guys. Like I would love to see stuff like that in a cartoon. And for our listeners unaware, Lily is Libri's Duckverse OC, who is a sweetheart who runs a bookshop that just happens to be frequented by basically every evil person in the world, and they leave with hugs and, uh, like, muffins. It's so funny. She keeps trying to offer them coffee, and they're always very confused. (laughs) But Um, yeah, that's a lovely idea, the idea of having more concrete locations. That was never really in the original show, obviously, because it was more like the villain of the week or the adventure of the week, but having actual world building and concrete locations and characters that you keep coming back to, that would be lovely. lovely. You mean continuity? Yes. No, we can still have the weird alternate universe episodes because those are always fun, like where everyone is suddenly a pirate, but (laughs) a little continuity would be nice. I also got super distracted because while Angie was talking, when she said what she did, I immediately started imagining our Duckverse RPs as an actual official animated show. And I just went off into La La Land for a minute. <laughs> Dreaming the the, uh, the ultimate dream. Uh, well, if I was in charge of a Darkwing Dark reboot, I would get out of sock puppets and mm-hmm. it would be called Oops All Socks. And right. So what you mean is you want the Muppets to perform Darkwing Duck. Absolutely. And uh, there would be nothing but duck people with human ears and human feet. <laughs> and oh, no. Herb Muddlefoot would be the main character. 
and it would just be a slice of life. It there was, um, I feel like every episode I just start airing my dirty laundry of all the other things that I like. Um, but the I think it was two thousand and two Tick show, the Tick, where it was you. It was the superheroes, but you never really got to see them do superhero stuff. It was just kind oh, of yeah. like them hanging out in a diner and like living their lives. Like I feel like that could be fun. I it wouldn't. I would probably be the only person who would like that. Like watching like Negada come rolling in covered in slime with five Dobermans chewing <laughs> on a bomb and being like, "I'll take your hottest beignet." Are you suggesting a coffee shop AU? <laughs> <laughs> and they were roommates. Oh my god, they were roommates. Um, but I think I'm not, uh, I'm not seriously suggesting any of these things. But I do like to see that's I think for me that's my my favorite bit is seeing because you know you know how big and loud and everybody is when they're mm. in their you know in their element and they're I'm a super villain. But like Megavolt having a podium in his apartment for him talking to the line. like I love like the domestic stupid things yes. that don't make sense. Like I love those little asides. And, you know, Quacker Jack with all his little toys and talking to them and like, you know, his whole personal relationship with uh, Mr. Banana Brain and, and all that kind of stuff. I love seeing that. So Absolutely. I feel like mostly like the uh, the superhero movies these days, I feel like some of the shows have gotten better at this is, is having those moments because the movies always try to be big and loud and exciting where you don't really get the connection with the characters and get to understand who they are on like a more personal level uh even Absolutely. if they are just deranged and crazy so that's that's what i like that's what i like to see i love this is something they they do touch on occasionally in the show not enough to my liking because i love seeing the villains just living their ordinary lives between schemes but the, um i watched jailbird this morning to remind myself that that was the episode with the court and it's so cute because you finally get to see the maximum security supervillain prison from the inside. And from everything I had seen on like TV and movies, you're you're kind of expecting like these these cells with cages or like glass doors or whatever. Like you know, like what you'd see in Arkham and whatever. And instead you just see Megavolt hanging very sadly in the middle of a garden and scaring birds away with his electricity powers. And there seems to be no like no one's forcing him to do it. Someone just told him, go and scare the birds away. He's doing it. Bushroot is gardening. And Quackerjack is rolling around in the grass having an amazing time. And no one is forcing them to do these incredibly menial activities. They just do them because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> They're just so bored. It's so funny. I love that so much. Like, this is the maximum security supervillain princess. And there's only the four of them. There's the scene where, like, they're all sitting at a table and then the camera pans to show us Darkwing being brought in and it's an incredibly long lunch hall and there is nobody else <laughs> in this entire place. That's funny. Uh, it's so funny because this implies that either these four are really the most dangerous supervillains in St. Canard or they're the only four who get caught. <laughs> Both are beautiful implications. So funny. I also, one of my favorite things, again, like we're talking about like mixing dark stuff with funny stuff so much and Negaduck is the perfect 
example where he keeps getting like pasted with slapstick comedy when he's trying to be incredibly serious. But the fact that he is never public enemy number one in the show, <laughs> the running joke that he's always number two and Dr. Slug is number one. We don't know who this guy is. I don't think we ever actually see him. He is we the do. greatest in... We, we do. do. In one episode, he's a throwaway. <laughs> is it comic book capers? I think it's comic book capers at the beginning. It's like a fake introduction where... I don't know if it... if Oh no, it might not be comic book capers. It might be inside Binky's brain. But it's the, it's the opening mm. of it. And essentially, they're about to get smashed by Dr. Slug. And then Darkwing breaks the fourth wall and pauses it. And he's like, I think this is a good time to tell a story. Yeah. Oh, yes. And then it just sidetracks. But he's literally just like a, a slimy green thing with one of those little, I don't, you know what? Those doctor things. I don't know what it is. But like the little like circle things on a band that they used to wear on their heads. What are, was it just like a lamp? Like, what is that? A miner's helmet, do you mean? No, no, he's a doctor. Oh, what of those things? I don't know what those I know what are. you're talking about, no. and I'm going to Google it. Please do. So Dr. Google, tell us what's happening in your practice. Dr. Hedman? Circle thing on Dr. Oh, it filled it in for me. It's just called a head wow. mirror. A head mirror. Amazing. Oh, because he's a dog. That's so But yeah, like my favorite thing about Nekadak is that in universe, everyone takes him incredibly seriously because he is scary. Like he has a chainsaw. He has threatened a child with a blowtorch i remember this very clearly but the sh- the writers of the show don't take him seriously and it's such a funny um wh- what would you call it like where these two worlds collide is where some of the best writing happens where like he is very much this dangerous serious dark and gritty villain but then the writers just put him through so much stupidity and so much grief where like he's never going to be public enemy number one and stuff like that it's so good but he also has fun with it too because he's definitely the one holding the anvil like over Darkwing's head as he oh, for comes, sure. like, like trampolining up into it for until sure. I think Darkwing flipped the script on him once, right? I vividly remember there's a clip of him bouncing up to a story window of a building and Darkwing like holds a frying pan and then an anvil and then a safe and then brings a garbage truck to catch him and then backs out of the way. So he slams into the concrete instead and just goes, whoops. That's Justice Justice Ducks, the ending. That one, yes. So good. So maybe that, yeah, yeah, I could see that. I had the roles swapped, but yeah, Darkwing, see that? That would probably count as as a death on Darkwing's conscience. But I mean, I don't think Negative can actually die. He's too full of spite and slime to die. Exactly. Just like Busher, he will always be crawling. Oh yeah, Busher and the Liquidator are functionally immortal, aren't they? Yes. I mean, the Liquidator especially because. You see him frozen and evaporated and God knows what so many times and he's just perfectly fine. He's always got a new pitch for you. I didn't, I think one of you told me this, but wasn't the Liquidator one of the hardest villains to write because of his shtick? And that's why he doesn't show up in as many episodes? I've heard that. I can't confirm for sure. Like, I don't know if that was just fan speculation or if who worked on the episode said that, but it would make sense. God bless who did write for him because everything he says is gold. 
Yeah, his dialogues are actually really fun. I feel like that's, I think, why people like the four so much and, and Negaduck is because their writing is, is typically super strong, where I don't feel like that carries over very well for some of the B, C, D list villains for the show. Oh, I will say, um, if as talking of things that we'd want to see in a Darkwing Duck reboot, it would be really nice to have more female characters mm. taking on a, a more major role. Like, Morgana and Binky are the only ones that I really remember from the original show. I mean, Goslin as well, of course. But I think it's just those three. And then Binky is just sort of like a side character. She's not really, like, involved. And we how? would... Number we one, ha- how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I... She's not involved in the superhero stuff. She would love to be. Uh, she is the Canardian guardian. <laughs> Canardian guardian, yeah. Excuse but, you. What I mean is that we saw a lot of female one-shot villains. And some of them were actually super interesting. Like Camille Chameleon and Splatter Phoenix had a lot of storytelling potential. Like, where does she get magic paint from? Was Camille always like this? But then they only show up for one episode or maybe two at most and then they're never mentioned again and there's a couple of other female villains who just sort of arrive and then leave i think it would be really nice to have a more recurring a couple of more recurring female villains to just yes. show up every now and again preach amen we all want that bianca Beakley uh spinoff show no i didn't like her she was uh, the book master the book master female villains that were introduced that I liked were Camille and Splatter. I'm not counting Morgana because she's a hero now. She doesn't count as a villain. And I gotta say, as an adult now, what is a more enticing reason to start doing a life of crime than paying off your student loans? <laughs> that was the funniest justification and it immediately made her one of my favorite characters when she said that. It's like, yes. Yeah, well, same girl. Same. Still relevant 30 years later. But yeah, no. <laughs> that was actually, like, I love Darkwing. It is my all-time favorite cartoon. As much as anyone who has probably listened to this podcast up to this point might think otherwise, because we've always ended up listening to episodes that aren't the best, in my opinion. But the big thing that I always took issue with was that the female characters didn't get as much love. I don't think that was intentional, but they just didn't get the same kind of development. And as a result, they just weren't as impactful. And I would have loved to see far more female villains that were more involved and had a greater part in the story. And that's basically what ended up being my motivation for my own characters and for wanting to create characters and get into the fandom was that I wanted to see more of that. Yeah, because there aren't really any female characters in the show, uh, villains specifically, that can go toe-to-toe with the big boys and can hold their own. We don't really get to see them in that kind of dynamic. I think maybe the one exception to that is Ammonia Pine when she and Steelbeak are, you know, going head-to-head. Oh, and we only Ammonia. really see her a couple times, but... I just want more hot, evil women, okay? I just, I do. I want to see hot, evil women doing evil things, and we didn't get enough of that, because Morgana reformed, unfortunately. Although, not unfortunately, like, I'm glad she did eventually, but I would have loved to see that dragged out a bit more. Especially for a show that had 91 episodes, they could have, they could have, you know, made that 
a more and they could have made it a more coherent experience by putting those episodes in any kind of order that made sense <laughs> but splitting hairs give I'm... us the evil hot ladies damn it i'm now just imagining like villain morgana and camille and splatter phoenix and the Bugmaster and ammonia pine all having like a girl's night out while they sack the town and rob like just rob and, I, and cause mayhem and it's their, their villain girls night out and darkwing and doesn't really like, know how to deal with it with the with i feel like with the villains in that show too they are so um diverse in their motivations and like what they're after that that could easily could have been a girl's night out episode because they would all be trying to steal different things like you know maybe you know everybody wants the money but they'd all be after different things which i think is what makes the fearsome five work so yeah. well is that you know megavolt is only interested in you know stealing light bulbs and you know who knows what bud flood is is after half the time but he likes to he likes to drown people <laughs> I guess. I don't know where I'm going with this. But yeah, no, it just seems like there's a an interesting dynamic that they get to play with that we don't get to see really in any of the other villains in the show. Um, Absolutely. Ex- you know, there's there's really nobody who has their own running crew except for Pascarini and his penguins. Oh, and Taurus Bulba, I guess. And his, his cronies, Hammerhead, Hannigan, and Hoof and Mouth. Hoof and Mouth, yeah. We never uh, saw them again, even though they were quite entertaining. I feel yeah. like the original show has this habit of introducing quite potentially interesting characters and then going, you know what? No, I'm bored. Let's let's go back to the status quo. Yeah, I mean, even Taurus Bulba, he was interesting too, and he was in two episodes. I mean, yeah, I guess three, technically, if you count the, you know, parts one and two of Dark Blue Dawns, aka the launch pad as a pilot episode. Um <laughs> But, I would argue that his interest and his impact does come from the fact that he's really only in those two. I feel like showing him too much. He's in the Storminator too. The Storminator where he's yeah, and he's he's weirdly not as threatening in the Storminator as he was in Dark Dawn's The Duck. I don't know why. Um, yeah, I think probably because he's he's pitted against the kids in that one. Yeah, okay, like, that does make it, sense. He takes Honker and, and Goslin and Darkwing is trying to to find them. He's in a wheelchair in that episode? Am I remembering that right? Darkwing? Yeah, he broke his leg or something, right? I think so. Something happened and I remember Launchpad having to schlep him around with the wheelchair. Actually, that's interesting. There's been a couple of episodes where Darkwing has sort of just... Like, there's one episode where he had his leg broken. Isn't there one episode where he's temporarily blinded for the duration of the entire episode? There's been a couple of episodes like that where he just stubbornly insists that he can absolutely handle this no problem with absolutely no recovery time and then completely fails. The hubris of Duck. There's also yeah. several episodes where he quits crime fighting forever, never again, very dramatically. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, doesn't well, he do that in Justice, Justice, Justice? He kind of has a pity party in Justice, Justice, Ducks. He's just like, I'm garbage, I'm trash. I'm lower than low, and then Launchpad's like, ah, oh, you're not a slug, or some kind of joke like that. I am the self-centered boob who hands over the city at the drop of a dime. I'm a, a gypnoid, a, a slug, a, a spud mother and jackanape. Oh, come on. You're not a slug. Do you guys remember, I don't know if this was strictly an American thing, that there was 
a after school special that was animated called I'm gonna Google it because the name is ridiculous. It's called Cartoon All Stars to the Rescue. And it was like all the nineties cartoons at the time. It's like an hour long don't do drugs PSA. I have never heard of this in my life. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you know what? Darkwing might not be in it, but I I'm pretty sure the DuckTales crew is in it. Like the nephews, and I definitely know that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, and there's like one scene where they're like showing the kids what it's like to be on drugs, and it's just like a nightmare fuel roller coaster. I am looking at the cover, and I cannot explain the experience I am feeling right now (laughs) to see Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Gonzo, Winnie the Pooh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Garfield, Alf, and Donald and Bugs and Slimer and the Smurfs all in one place. Yeah. And the Muppet Babies. I've never, I've never even heard of this. What is this? I think you have to come back for another podcast episode and we have to watch this with you. I think we do have to watch this. <laughs> oh, you've seen it in. Yeah, I saw it a long time ago. It was very special. Something very unique. I will reserve my commentary for when we watch this all together. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm looking at it now. It came out in 1990, so Darkwing is probably not in it. I kind of remembered that he was, though, but that could just be me trying to lump everything I've ever loved into a terrible PSA. You need me to know your turtles are in this. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty sure... One of them rides the roller coaster with the kid. But yeah, so that's you just, do. that's what I feel like a lot of 90s shows did, where they had these morals they had to cram in there. And I don't, I guess they're still in modern day cartoons, but they have more finesse. They're not as heavy handed as uh, they used to be back in the old days, hmm. where it's just like, this is an episode about why you should wear a helmet when you're on your bike. Does anyone remember Captain Planet's episode about drugs? That is the one Captain Planet episode that is still vividly burnt into my mind. I do not recall that episode, no. There is a shady man in an alleyway, full-on trench coat, hat, slightly creepy voice, selling these slightly glowing bills to students. And... There's, I still remember there's this scene of this kid who who takes some and then the next time you see him, he's completely like gaunt and his cheeks are sunken in and he looks horrifying and he's on his knees grabbing this guy's coat, begging him for more of whatever those pills were and he won't give them to him. And then it turned out for some reason, that was bad enough, but then for some reason, the drug dealer was a rat. Like he, he was just like a fully human-sized rat with like long, sharp nails and a huge rat tail. And I, I remember even as a kid watching this and going, I was along with the story, and I was actually pretty scared about this whole drugs thing. But what does him being a rat have to do with anything? I am now so distracted by this giant rat that I've completely forgotten about the lesson of the episode. So you could suspend your disbelief. <laughs> Up until the rat, and then you were like, no, I'm sorry, I'm going to do every drug. I don't know why, it was so weird. It wasn't the weirdest thing Captain Planet had done, but it just, the reveal that he was a rat was so out of nowhere. (laughs) Don't do drugs, kids. 
You got any more talking points for us, Anne? No, I think we've covered a lot, actually, and it was a good conversation, I must say. I should also like to point out that I did a quick Google, and the rat's name was Verminous Scum. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's something that they were really good at. Uh, Well, I guess they still, you know, folks are still really good at coming up with names for supervillains and bad guys like that. Like, we talked about Duck Night Rises from DuckTales 2017, and there's just one little throwaway thing where Drake and Launchpad are playing with their Darkwing Duck action figures, and Launchpad has old Hot Couture. Yes! And like a flame villain. And I was like, that is so clever! <laughs> I'm setting the that fashion one. world on fire. <laughs> that was really funny. I love it. I love it. I love playing villain names. So yeah, okay, so this was fun. Thanks for joining us, Libri. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for having me. I had a lovely time. Thank you so much. We are going to have you back, and we will watch Cartoon All-Stars to the rescue and get your deep, important, very poignant (laughs) thoughts on this storytelling. Take notes on, on what parts of the episode it was clear that the animators were on drugs themselves. Uh-huh. And <laughs> and it will be a time. But yeah, I think that about wraps it up for us today. Do we have any parting words of wisdom for for the people? Watch your Darkwing Duck if you haven't. Don't do drugs, kids. Do <laughs> the drugs that are not going to scramble your brains, kids. And uh, remember that crime doesn't sleep, and neither do we. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Farewell. Bye.